You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Riding with you till 9 o'clock. Then it's Ty Butler here on 98.7. 1-800-919-3776-Giant fans, we haven't forgotten about you. At the bottom of the hour, Pat Leonard from the Daily News will preview Giants Dallas tomorrow night. Monday Night Football battle NFC East, which has been very interestingly dominated by Philly. Philly looks really good. I know it's just three games, but they look really good. This is what Pat has to say about Philly. And preview this game tomorrow night between the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. And in about 15 minutes or so, we'll get you caught up on all the football scores of the day as we get ready for the Sunday nighter. Uh, Aaron Judge walked in the uh, bottom of the third, so he has yet to hit number 61. Let's head back to the phones. Richard's in Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Larry, this was good for Zach Wilson and the followers of Zach Wilson, so there's no controversy. That's what's good about today. Uh, I didn't like one call that Salah did. Hmm. There were 10 minutes, 5 seconds to go, right after the Jet got that penalty in the end zone, fourth quarter, and then they moved it back. They gained a lot of yardage, so they had fourth down and six at the 12. There are 10 minutes and five seconds to go. You're down by 15. Larry, I've been watching a lot of football, and in the old days, they got the points. Now, there's two reasons you get the points. I don't want to hear, well, you need two scores, blah, 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 blah. First of all, when you give up the ball on downs and you don't get it, it's so deflating. Am I right, Larry, for the defense to now go out there and try to defend them after you didn't, you had an opportunity to get points. Now, true, that would have brought it down from 15 to 12. But that means two scores and you win the game. Now, you're going to say it wouldn't have mattered anyway, blah, 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 blah. I understand that. But you, that doesn't mean that they didn't make the right play. The play there was to get the three points and hope that your defense holds. Because... Ten minutes is eternity, Larry. That's two-thirds of a quarter of a football game. Last week they won the game down by 13 with a minute and a half. Here you have ten minutes and five seconds. Grab those three points. Because when you shoot yourself in the foot with ten minutes to go, you have no recovery room now. At least get the points and extend it. You know, Larry, it reminds me something I learned in medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, Sometimes you have a procedure, and you can wait and wait on this procedure in the medicine, medical field. And you know why you wait? Because the medical field advances, and things get better as you go along. Now, of course, in an emergency, you can't wait. You have to do it. Well, the Jets weren't in an emergency. And in the medical decisions you make, if you can wait and postpone, because the medicine gets better as years go on. Well, that would have happened the same thing with the Jets. Let the game keep playing. Put the pressure on them. Oh, it might have still happened, but why did they have to shoot themselves in the foot with 10 minutes to go? There was no reason. And can you imagine the defense going back on the field after getting zero points from that? Now you get the field goal. The fans are pumped up. I don't want to hear two scores in this. It doesn't matter. You put positive points, positive energy, and there was no reason to panic there. Larry, you know I've been watching football a little longer than you. Mm-hmm. In the old days, they would have, not not fourth and six, fourth and two, yeah, maybe. Fourth mm-hmm. and three, yeah. Not with ten minutes to go. If there was six minutes to go, yeah, you go for it. Seven or eight, I don't know, questionable. Nine or more, no way, nine minutes or more, that's plenty of time, two scores. 
Yeah, you know? I hear what you're saying, Richard, and thanks for the phone call. I just, I just think that really, and I hear what you're saying, and, and logically you're right, but there was really no, just me, there was no sense that they were able to drive down the field and get a score. I had no sense. See, last week they had proven to you that they could get into the end zone. They had some flexibility, even though they were down 13. Okay, but but the offense flowed better. There was more movement. They they, they mixed the running game and the passing game. It wasn't so one-sided. I, I just think that, you know, had they gotten had had there been a touchdown or something earlier in that game, maybe they might have reconsidered and gone the way you did. But I'm just being honest with you. I, I never got the sense that they were even going to be close to getting a score in that game. But I, I, in theory, what you said is true. It is. Sawbor is in Newark. Sawbor, you're next on 98.7. Hello? Hello. Yeah, um, my point was, and I'm a Jets fan, long-time Jets fan. Mm-hmm. Since preseason, the only only good thing we've been watching was this guy Chris Shrevler. And now we only hear nothing about him, but we let Flacco get all these chances. This guy could have did way better than Flacco and Zach Wilson. Well, I don't know about that, Sobor. Thanks for the phone call. He, You saw him against third, fourth, and guys who aren't even in the league right now. And he's been the veteran that's been around a little bit. So he was – he didn't um, – he looked good in those spots. He did. But I don't know that against better competition he would have looked as good. Apparently the Jets didn't think so, and that's why they let him go. Um, so, you know, he did have a couple of come-from-behind wins in postseason, but – once again, against that competition, the higher competition, I don't think he would have fared as well, and the Jets agreed. That's why they let him go. Mitch is in East Windsor. What's up, Mitch? Hey, how's it going, Larry? Good. Uh, Jets, uh, the offense especially. Mm-hmm. You know the running back. I mean, I like Carter. I think the running back has come back, and it's good to have two good ones, keep the uh, defense balanced. And, and to me, I'd rather see White than Flacco. Flacco, I mean, this is probably his last year. I mean, you know, uh, Sam Donald was out there. They could have given him another shot. To, oh, no, uh, they won't do that. Zach, <laughs> you have to worry about that. Wouldn't that be They're something not gonna do that. <laughs> They won't do no. that, Mitch. You will not see Sam Donald back in the Jet uniform. Thanks for the phone call. I, I don't know that they need another running back. I haven't seen them run these backs enough yet, Mitch. I mean, can I see a little bit more from the run game? I mean, I thought they complimented each other pretty well last week. I mean, Hall has had some fumble problems, but for the most part, I think he's good catching the ball out of the backfield. I think they'll do some things with him going there. Uh, But I just need to see them run the football a little bit more. That's what I need to see. And maybe the offensive line can do that a little better than they've done with the passing. Um, But no, I don't know that they need another running back. I just think they need to commit to the run a little bit more than what they've done. And they have to mix it up a little bit. And once again, I get it, getting behind in scores, it kind of changes your balance. You want to try to pass the ball a little bit and try to get some scores and get back quicker. And then obviously the run becomes like a throwaway because the further down you get, they're like, they're not really running the ball. What are they going to do here? Uh, And once again, there's different ways to run the football. As I always say, you can throw it to the back, out of the backfield. You can do a bunch of different things. So you don't have to just, you know, go to standard, let's hand it off and see what happens. You, You have some other options that you can do. And so hopefully that's what we'll see from this Jet team because two of the three games 
Joe Flacco has thrown over 50 times. I mean, it's not he, he's not that type of quarterback that's going to win you games by throwing 50 times. It's not. And neither is Zach Wilson. So that's the concern that you have. Now, if and when Zach Wilson gets back and he should have a better flow and look to the offense because the offense is really based on him, hopefully they'll be better able, you'll see a little bit better continuity and execution. But they've got to do some things with the offensive line. Either they've got to go with 6-0 linemen or or an extra tight end or two extra tight ends. They got to do something to either help run or help pass. If it means taking one receiver out of the the rotation under the, you know, out of the, you know, the passing situation, then do it. Because you're not getting to him anyway. Ed's in Connecticut. What's up, Ed? Yeah, how you doing? I just Good. think uh, not enough is being said about how poorly coached this team is on the Opening drive, we know we're playing a Bengals team that hasn't been able to protect the quarterback. We have them in third and long three different times, and we put no pressure. We don't blitz. We sit back. We let Burrow pick us apart. The offense, we're not able to protect uh, Flacco. Run a screen. Do something to slow down this pass rush. I mean, we got Elijah Moore running down the field on bombs, trying to outjump a receiver. He's a slot guy. He's got to be doing the little short dump offs. Get this guy the ball in space to do something. And then we if anybody's coaching that game and sees how Flacco was in the first half, you know you got no chance to win the way he's playing in the second half. Give him a spark. Bring in White. You can't just give up because there was no way Flacco was leading us down the field after that first half performance. I'll say this, Ed, and, and thanks for the phone call, is there just seems to be a feeling and I don't know whether it was the preseason that White had. I don't know. But there's not a lot of conversation from people you speak with or from the media even to acknowledge that Mike White was even a consideration to be brought in in week one or today. And once again, is it because they don't want him to – they don't want to have a controversy about White against Wilson or what? You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. That could be it. It might be it. But once again, this is what I always say when people bring up these these possibilities. I look at it as if you're telling me as a head coach that this guy gives me player X at quarterback, gives me a better opportunity to win than player Y, who I'm playing, then why am I playing player Y? There's got to be something wrong with X. Because if player X would give me a better opportunity and I'm playing player Y, then something's not right. So something has to be going on with player X. Whether it's, as Ritzamini mentioned, whether it's the fact that he looks so bad against Buffalo when they, after the win against Cincinnati that they just felt like he was just not a not a great quarterback, not a good quarterback, whatever. And then he did not improve from the situation in the offseason and, and preseason and whatever. Whatever it is, you are not seeing or hearing a whole lot of conversation about trying to bring Mike White into the game, whether it's front office, whether it's head coaching. But I'm just telling you, the front office wants to win. 
The head coach wants to win. Head coach needs to win. Okay? Head coach needs to win. He had four wins last year. There's got to be a reason why Mike White is not playing. Has to be. The way Flacco looked? Has to be. It's got to be. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Time to recap week three in the National Football League. In a couple of minutes, the 49ers will battle the Denver Broncos. Will there be any delay of game penalties for Denver tonight? (laughs) We'll find out. We'll keep you updated. We'll also have an eye on what's going on with Aaron Judge at the stadium. No home run yet. A double and a walk for Aaron Judge. All right, let's begin with the 4 o'clock game, shall we? Let's start out with the shocker of the afternoon for me. It was the Jacksonville Jaguars rolling over the L.A. Chargers 38-10. to Trevor Lawrence, 28 of 39 for 262 yards and three touchdowns. Justin Herbert, 25 of 45, 297 yards, a touchdown and one pick. In the afternoon game of the day, it was supposed to be with two unbelievable quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. It was the Green Bay Packers over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 14 to 12. Rodgers, 27 of 35, 255 yards, two scores, one pick. Tom Brady, 31 of 42, 271 yards and a touchdown. Actually, this game went right down to the wire. Tampa scored a touchdown, went for the two-point conversion, got a penalty for taking too much time, and then had to go back, and the receiver dropped the ball in the end zone. So Tampa is 2-1, and one, as are the Packers. They are both now 2-1. and one. It was the L.A. Rams over the Arizona Cardinals, 22-17. Falcons over the Seahawks, 27-23. All right, let's go to the 1 o'clock games. It's a game that we've been talking about all day. It was the Cincinnati Bengals over the New York Jets by the score of 27-12. Joe Flacco, not a good day. 28 of 52, 285 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Joe Burrow, 23 of 36, 275 yards, and three scores. Elsewhere, another surprise. What's going on with the Saints? They lose to the Panthers in Carolina, 22-14. Jamison Winston, 25 of 41, 353 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. It was Baker Mayfield. Pedestrian day, 12 of 25, 170 yards and a touchdown, but it was enough for Carolina and their defense to beat the Saints. The Philadelphia Eagles are now 3-0. They roll over the Washington Commanders, 24-8. Jalen Hurts, 25 of 35, 340 yards and three scores. Carson Wentz, 25 of 43, 211 yards. Detroit. Almost beat Minnesota. It was Kirk Cousins with a last-minute touchdown. 260 yards, two touchdowns on 24 of 41 passing. Jared Goff, 25 of 41, 277 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Minnesota over the Lions, 28 to 24. This was, for me, the game of the day. It was Miami hosting Buffalo. Oh, Gordon Damer is going to be unbelievable to speak with tomorrow night when we do ESPN New York tonight. It's going to be insufferable. 
Miami defeats the previously undefeated Buffalo Bills 21-19. Josh Allen, get this, 42 of 63, 400 yards and two touchdowns. Tua Tagovailoa, 13 of 18, 186 yards and one touchdown. And the NFLPA, unhappy. They want uh, some research and a report done. He was hit wobbly. I mean, he was hit hard. When he got up, he walked a little bit, fell down, got back up, and was, you know, stabilized. They took him to the tent, and he came back into the game. They believe he had a concussion, the Players Association, so they want to um, have uh, a report done, and they want to see what the doctors did. They believe he came back too soon, so we'll see what happens there. Indy upsets Kansas City 20-17. to It was Matt Ryan. 27 of 37, 222 yards and two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, 20 of 35, 262 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Baltimore improved to 2-1. and one. They beat the Patriots in Foxborough, 37 to 26. Lamar Jackson, 18 of 21, 218 yards, four touchdowns. That's right, four touchdowns, one pick. Oh, by the way, 11 carries, 107 yards and one rushing touchdown. Very nice. Mac Jones, 22 of 32, 321 yards and three interceptions. He was also hurt in that game. Looks like he suffered a lower leg injury, uh, but don't wait for Bill Belichick to tell you what actually happened. That's not going to happen. Tennessee makes Vegas now 0-3. Ryan Tannehill, 19 of 27, 264 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Derek Carr for Vegas. What's going on with Vegas in the offense, huh? 26 of 44, 303 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. The Chicago Bears behind Justin Fields beat the Houston Texans 23-20. Fields was 8 of 17 for 106 yards and two picks. Khalil Herbert, 20 carries, 157 yards and two touchdowns. He was the star of the show. Davis Mills for Houston, 20 of 32, 245 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. And, of course, tomorrow night in Monday Night Football, you will have the New York football Giants against the Dallas Cowboys and Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News will join me to talk about that game at the bottom of the hour. Quickly, to give you just an update on the baseball scoreboard, the Mets rolled over the A's by the score of 13-4. Matt Scherzer picked up the win. He's now 11-4. But Atlanta, even though they needed 11 innings, they beat Philadelphia 8-7. So the Mets hold on to that game-and-a-half lead the showdown between them and Atlanta is looming. Top of the fourth, Boston and the Yankees, no score at the stadium. Does that get you caught up on what's happening in week three in the NFL and a little bonus baseball work for you as well? All right, so now you are caught up. You know everything that's going on in the scores. Let me just tell you about this because this is coming up. As a matter of fact, it's coming up when the Jets will face the currently undefeated Miami Dolphins. It's the ultimate ESPN New York Jets tailgate. Yep, it's coming October 9th, and everyone is welcome. We'll have a pregame celebration in Lot G before the Jets take on Miami with all your favorite 98.7 ESPN hosts. Plus, you got tailgate games, prize giveaways, and live music from Randy Zoo. Listen to DPH on Rothenberg in the morning, you know, from 5 to 8, Monday through Friday, and the Michael K. Show in the afternoon, 3 to 7, all this week for your chance to score, get this, 
premium suite tickets and VIP tailgate passes. It's the ultimate ESPN New York Jets tailgate, and it's brought to you by our friends at Guinness, Pepsi, and, of course, us at 98.7 ESPN. When we return, Giants, Cowboys, Pat Leonard, Daily News on The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Hardesty till, 10, till 9 o'clock. 10 o'clock is tomorrow night. Then Ty Butler will take you till midnight here on 98.7 ESPN. Right now, let's turn our attention to Monday Night Football. It's an interesting one. It always is. It's that cliche, you can throw the records out because it's a NFC grudge match. Giants, Cowboys. You can just hear it, right? It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what's going on. Giants, Cowboys. Dave Rothenberg is going to be on fire tomorrow morning. Check him out. He's going to be revved up. He and his producer, Ray Santiago, who is the number one Dallas fan here. Oh, it's going to be a struggle. Let's get a preview of what we can expect tomorrow night with the New York Giants. We'll welcome in Pat Leonard, covers the Giants for the Daily News. Also, by the way, check out this podcast, Talking Ball with Pat Leonard on the Believe Network. Pat, it's Larry Hardesty. Thanks for giving me a couple of minutes tonight. You got it, Larry. Giants, one of only three undefeated teams remaining in the NFL. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought that, Pat? Especially Now, if I had said that to you at the start of training camp, you would have said to me, <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you nuts? Are you crazy? I would or would you I, have said, or would, would you have say, said, I, you know what, after yeah. Joe Judge, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> I would have said, I would have said, I picked the Giants to win three games this year, so no way. <laughs> I, uh, you know, coming off of last year, it just felt like another reset button. Here we go again, another long-term process. And, and really, right, like that was that was the idea, and that still is the idea. That's the craziest thing about this is that. You know, their GM, Joe Shane, and Brian Dable, this is year one of what they hope to be a long-term process to sustainable success. But here they are, 2-0, and with a golden opportunity to beat a Cowboys team without Dak Prescott. I mean, it's not going to be easy, but uh, with three straight home games here with the Panthers, Cowboys, and then a very beatable Bears team next week, you're suddenly talking about, hey, we know this is a rebuild, but, you know, we've beaten the Titans. We've beaten the Panthers, and there's nothing that tells you that the Giants don't have a chance to beat the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night. So, Pat, you've covered this team for a couple of years now, although last time I spoke with you, you were covering the Rangers. We had a different conversation. But but <laughs> uh, what's been the difference? We always hear that coaching is a big difference in a lot of sports, especially the NFL. Is that what we're seeing here? Because, I mean, when you see what Gettleman left this team, it's hard to think that they're as good as they are. Right. No, for sure. Yeah, well, one another weird part about their early success this year is a lot of their key players and the guys leading them in their snaps and playing the most and factoring most in their success are gentlemen guys. So that's kind of a little bit of weird wrinkle here. But I would say the biggest difference right now is that the team believes. And they did believe in 2020 under Joe Judge. You know, if you, you remember that they were somehow at the end in a race for the NFC East because uh, nobody was any good in the division, but they did have some belief instilled Pat Graham's defense behind Joe judge. And they really did have it going and they thought they had something. They just kind of overshot their estimation of how good they would be in 2021. And they all blew up in their face, but, you know, coming out of the week one win in Tennessee where Gable went for that two point conversion. And, you know, the players in the locker room were talking a lot about how much it meant to them that the head coach was telling them 
here's how I'm going to coach you. I'm going to put the ball in your hands. I'm going to make this a player's game. And then the first chance he had to do that, he backed up his words with action. You know, he's he's not just uh, a player's coach where anything goes. I mean, they're benching guys, they're cutting guys. So it's not all roses and sunshine, but you see some tangible results from some of the hard work they're putting in. And that's, frankly, I think, Larry, that's the biggest difference from the several coaches I've covered, Scherner, McAdoo. I mean, McAdoo had the playoff run in 2016, but even Judge, you know, if you lose consistently, it just becomes more difficult to get guys to buy what you're selling them because they're not seeing the results in the games. That's the voice of Pat Leonard, covers the Giants for the Daily News. This is The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. All right, Pat, uh, part of the thing of this rebuild and reset and everything is to learn about quarterback Daniel Jones. You're 2-0. Do we know anything about Daniel Jones yet? That's a good question. I, I think we've seen a lot of the same, which is some really good, some worrisome. You know, that's kind of what it was coming into the season, right? Not enough to write him off, not enough to say he's the guy. I, I will say – you know, he has been pressured more than any other quarterback in the NFL through two weeks. It's 50% of his dropbacks. And, you know, so what he has done facing that kind of pressure, despite them, quote-unquote, rebuilding the offensive line, you know, I think Jones deserves a lot of credit for having the team 2-0, and given that statistic, given what he's dealing with up front in the passing game. But, you know, only three offensive touchdowns through, through two games and the bad interception in Tennessee in the red zone, and one that should have been intercepted at the end of the first half against Carolina that would have changed the game on a bad decision. There are only two throws, but these are the plays that can turn these games. But you know what, Larry? I think what we've learned is that he's still a fighter. He's still tough. And frankly, it's just a razor's edge of kind of like the thin line of you know, one mistake when you're always in games where it's a one-possession game, a three-point game, a one-point game. I mean, he basically has no room to make a mistake. But uh, obviously in this league, you have to score touchdowns to not only win but earn that big contract and prove you're the guy. And So we're still waiting to see this offense score, you know, three touchdowns, four touchdowns week in and week to prove that he's that dude. And, and that's – because that was my next question, Pat. What does he have to show to say, okay – all right, yeah, he's the guy. We figured it out. You know, Dable's got him in a good position. You know, they've got him in spots where they realize what he's really good at with what they can, what, what the play calls and, and the scheme is. This is our guy. So mm-hmm. we need to see consistent scoring in the red zone, yes? Definitely. That's exactly what it is. It's scoring in the red zone, and it's not hesitating. Um, and it's also having some consistent weapons he trusts. Like Kadarius Tony, everybody loves his talent. The guy's never on the field. Kenny Galladay is supposed to be that guy, but then the coaching staff basically benched him last week. Will they put him back on the field? Will Jones and Galladay ignite a connection? Really, his consistent connection, his most consistent connection, are Sterling Shepard, who's fresh off an Achilles, David Sills, and Richie James, who is a guy that was fighting for a roster spot come the preseason. So how does he do it? He establishes a better, more consistent, and more lethal connection down the field with some of these receivers who either haven't been on the field enough or who he's still learning to, how to play with in this, in this new season with this new team. One thing we know of, Pat, is that uh, Saquon Barkley so far has really backed up his words. And every, every word I heard from him, I have something to prove, I'll show people. 
he the first game was tremendous, solid game last week. I mean, if he continues like this, Giants are going to have a decision. Absolutely. It, it, you know, he it, health is the key with him. I mean, if he stays healthy, he's a weapon. The other team has to pay a lot of attention to him. Sometimes he could be the difference in the victory. And he picked up a great uh, pass on pass protection last week on Jones's biggest biggest throw of the game on a third and nine, that really changed the game on their on their lone touchdown drive, which is something he struggled with. Uh, yeah, no, it, it'll be very interesting with him looking at what the Giants going to do as far as contract with Barkley. Um, if he's healthy, if he puts in the work like he did this off season, and he looks as physically uh, kind of slight and fast and in shape and dangerous like he does now, then that's a player you want on your team. And the thing I'm looking for in this game with Barkley specifically is, you remember last year that freak play where he stepped on Jordan Lewis's ankle mm. against Dallas, and that's where he got hurt and kind of the whole season went up in flames from there. Earlier on that play, he had Micah Parsons one-on-one in man coverage, and he, he was toast. I mean, Parsons was toast. Barkley beat him on a slant route. And if Jones doesn't overthrow that ball, that's probably a 75-yard touchdown. And so, you know, I think Parsons is the X factor probably that could ruin the Giants' hopes of going 3-0 in this game. But I think Barkley is the key to answering Parsons. He is the, the trump card that the Giants have in their pocket. So, and I think they're going to have to use it, especially in the passing game, maybe try to get Parsons, some of these linebackers, out in space and utilize them that way. One thing, Pat, before we switch over to, to the defense, how how important is it for Dayball to handle this Galladay situation the right way? He's got a locker room on his side right now. How, you know, nothing can, you know, the, the player locker rooms are very fluid. How important is it that he handles right. this the right way in the media and with the team for a new head coach? You said that very well there, that the locker rooms can be fluid. I mean, that, you know, that's a great that's a great example of why winning matters. You know, 0-2 and, and doing stuff like that is different than being 2-0 and, and doing something like that. And uh, even Galladay mentioned, you know, kind of perked up all our ears when he said there were other guys in the, in the room here wondering what the heck was going on. And, you know, it's very important. And it's not only – you know, look, I like Gable and the coach. I can judge us with this stuff, you know. You got to earn your right to play, and that's what Stable's doing, and I like it. But you have to be transparent too. And so the dangerous part here, the tricky part, is that Galladay was not only implying, but essentially saying he didn't fully understand why. That it wasn't explained to him why he wasn't playing. It was just more you're out this week. And so I think it's very important that Dable conveys that direct message to his players when that's happening. Um, and I think it's important, too, that he allows a guy like Kenny Galladay, who has been on the field all through the summer, while other guys like Darius Tony have not. I don't think it's fair and I don't think it's right to then play a guy like Tony way more than Galladay in the game. The same way I don't think it was right that they squeezed Darius Slayton into a pay cut when you know he's putting in the work and doing everything while Tony is missing even more time. So. You know, if you're going to have a meritocracy, I think you have to be consistent and transparent. So, um, you know, that's the challenge Dable faces week in and week out. That's interesting. Wink Martindale, Pat, we kind of knew what his defensive philosophy was from his years in in Baltimore. He loves to blitz. He loves to play physical defense. Uh, Give me your assessment of the Giants' defense the first two weeks. Yeah, they're the reason that they've won two games. Um, You know, the offense has been able to make some opportune plays when it needs to. 
uh, Barkley in week one, you know, Jones with one drive in week two, and then the field goals from Graham Gano. But the defense is the reason that they're 2-0. Um, you know, and, and it's the blitzing, especially because, Larry, they have not generated almost any pressure with a four-man pass rush. Um, so, Wink Martindale's not just blitzing because he likes to, he's blitzing because he has to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that'll be an interesting part of watching them against the Cowboys with their secondary isolated against some of the Dallas receivers. If Cooper Rush can get the ball downfield for them, Michael Gallup's expected to be back. Um, but Martindale's been able to do a lot, even with some guys out of the lineup. This might be Leonard Williams' first NFL game missed due to injury, and that. I don't know how his, how Martindale will overcome that. Uh, you know, last week the Giants gave up like a, a 49-yard run to Christian McCaffrey up the gut when, once Williams went out with that sprained MCL in his right knee. And, um, you know, that's going to be a challenge. But he uses everybody's skills. He moves players around. He blitzes. He, uses, he likes versatility in his skill players. Um, and he changes the scheme week to week. So it was two linebackers on the field against Tennessee. Then it was three safeties and one linebacker against Carolina to combat McCaffrey's speed out of the backfield. Xavier McKinney played almost 15 snaps on the defensive line, either blitzing or whatever. He's a free safety, used to playing in the deep half. So creative, aggressive. Um, as much as Gable has set a good tone early for this team as a head coach, I do think a lot of this team's not only strength, but kind of uh, tone and energy and identity is being set through the defense. Mm-hmm. So, according to the Giant Injury Report, we figure Leonard Williams is doubtful to play. Will Will this be the the Ojulari Thibodeau week? It should be. Um, they're both expected to play. Uh, Thibodeau, you know, making his debut on Monday Night Football is intriguing. <laughs> uh, you know, he's kind of the flashy, big smile star coming out of Oregon, and everybody's waiting to see what he can do. Uh, I actually think he can help them as much in the run game as he can in the pass rush. He looked like a pretty good run defender in the preseason. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to helping to seeing him help them stop Pollard and Elliott as much as get to the quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Jihad Ward, he's been really the defense's MVP through two weeks, a guy who has played some for Martindale in Baltimore and who moved inside a little bit and Williams went out last week. You know, I look for him to continue to be a major – player in whatever success this defense has. Uh, but certainly you, you hit right on it that their edge rusher position has really been thin and they haven't gotten enough pressure on opposing quarterbacks, especially on the four-man rush. So if Ozolari and Thibodeau can give them a, you know, a few pressures, a sack here or there, it'd go a long way to turning a all, an already pretty good defense into maybe one that can get them another win in prime time this time. Yeah, and it takes more pressures off, pressure off that secondary that can actually that's done a nice job in, in covering and going on the blitz. So you know sometimes you get burned on those blitzes, Pat. They've done a nice job. No, yeah, no question. No, that's well said. And I, I think um, you know one key to their schedule, interesting part of their schedule, Larry, too, is that they've so they played Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield. Now they have Cooper Rush. Next week they have Justin Fields. You know, not until week five in London against the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, do they face the kind of quarterback who, you know, you miss, you miss time a blitz by half a second, it's an 80-yard touchdown. You know, they, they're not playing quarterbacks like that right now. So that doesn't take any credit away from them. That just means, you know, they could be even more effective with timing these things and 
um, and getting to the QB and maybe just even the feeling of pressure that they're bringing can be enough to fluster the quarterbacks they're playing into mistakes or at least not taking those shots that could burn you. Yeah, no question. Last thing, Pat, you surprised the Philly? I am. Jalen Hurts looks like a different quarterback. I'm not surprised they're good. I picked him to win the division. I, I will say, I mean, if you had if you told me he was Hertz was gonna have I mean, he basically has had what, three hundred and thirty three yards or so passing in back to back weeks. And I think he had does he have three passing touchdowns in both weeks too, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um yeah, that's a that's another level of kind of waking up not only the rest of the division, but the rest of the NFC and the rest of the NFL. Um, yeah, you know, I've seen him play in person, uh, you know, several times, and he's a very good athlete. I love his mental toughness, but I understood why people doubted him as a thrower and as a passer. Sometimes he looked like he was aiming, you know, and, you know, listen, that happens with young quarterbacks. But with this, with this receiving core, with A.J. Brown added to it, and if he's throwing the ball the way he is right now, they've always had good lines, offensive and defensive lines in the trenches. Howie Roseman did a great job with that. So with their good pass rush on defense and Hurts playing like this, you know, they are uh, – I don't want to use the word juggernaut, but they're starting to look like the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Yeah, and, and the defense has been pretty good <laughs> because they're not on the yeah, field that, that much, well, that's, Pat. <laughs> yeah, that's just, well, that's the thing is that, you know, if uh, – like for the Giants, for example, you know, now that they're 2-0, and the Eagles are 3-0, and obviously – um, I think Washington's one and two, and then you have Dallas one and one coming into this game. But let's say the Giants beat Dallas to go to three and zero. Obviously, they're right there in the thick of it now, and you know, geez, New York and New Jersey would be going crazy. But that head-to-head matchup with the Eagles is still a concern because of that pass rush on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. You know, they they just whitewashed Washington's offensive line and Carson Wentz in this game in Week Three. I mean, Wentz and the offense didn't even have a chance. And so the Giants' offensive line, regardless of what the result is on Monday night, needs to get better in order to contend with a team like Philadelphia. He does a great job covering the Giants for the Daily News. Also an even better job talking ball with Pat Leonard on the Believers Network. Pat, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll talk down the line. You got it, Larry. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Pat Leonard. Giving you insight in preparation for Giants-Cowboys tomorrow night in Monday Night Football. We'll step away, have some final thoughts before Ty Butler at the top of the hour on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Interesting conversation with Pat Leonard. You know, the Giants, and Gordon and I have spoken about this. You look at their schedule, and even Pat alluded to it. They're not facing a quarterback that's going to, you know, I mean, they're NFL quarterbacks. I mean, come on, today, Jacksonville just you know, wiped out. <laughs> just, 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 just had a ball. I mean, the the, Raider, the Raiders are 0-3. Can you imagine that? The Raiders are 0-3. And as I was mentioning, the, the Jaguars just wiped the Chargers off the map at 38-10. to So any quarterback on any given day can beat you. But you look at this giant schedule, and I've mentioned to you, this is not 
And first, let's put it this way, not to disrespect them. This is not a very number one toughest schedule in the National Football League. They have winnable games there. And you heard Pat mention that this is a team that has started to believe in their head coach. They believe that he can put them in the right spots. They believe that he knows what to do to help them win. He came in the door coming off a a rule-changing performance in the playoffs last year in their loss to Kansas City. Okay, so everybody watched that game. So you've got this coach coming in, and look at how he helped transform Josh Allen. Not to say that Josh Allen wasn't a very talented young man, but you could see how he helped him take another step. So now he's your quarterback. He's your head coach, and you're like, hey, and he put this in our hands? Love it. So there's, there is a confidence there. There is a fact that I have confidence that he knows what he's doing and his staff knows what he's doing, what they're doing, and they can help me get better and they can help us win some games. So the question becomes, while this is supposed to be a let's, let's talent evaluation year, which it still is, but now that it's a talent evaluation year and you're able to win during a talent evaluation year, by the way, Frisco leading 7 nothing over Denver, um, what happens when you continue to win? Because if you're saying, well, we don't know if we have the quarterback, you keep winning games, you're not going to be in a position where you will have, you'll have to not, you, know, you won't be bad enough that you can just take a quarterback. You have to move up, try to move up to get a quarterback. Okay, and listen, that's a great problem to have. <laughs> You'd rather be in that position. Hey, you know what, we won some games, we were better than what we thought. Schedule was a little better than what we thought. But they're not going to face a really, really good quarterback until they go to London for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's a couple of games away. It's like three, four games away. Okay, so under that scenario, not saying that they could be five, they'll be undefeated, but four and one? I mean, come on, Giant fans, you weren't thinking four and one when you're looking at this team. Pat said he predicted they'd win three games all year. But when you look and see how this this team has responded, and listen, the defense has played well. They've kept them in games. What the defense has done is kept the scores low and kept them in games so that if they get hot or get a couple of drives together, they're right in it, and they have a chance to steal wins. And, yeah, they were they were helped. The missed field goal could have still, as well as they played in Tennessee, the missed field goal could have still gotten them. Field goal made could have still given them a loss, and they would be one and one. But that didn't happen. So they're 2-0, and they, this is a very winnable game against Dallas tomorrow night. There's no question about it. Dallas is not Dallas. And if the defense plays physical, Dallas does not run the ball like they ran the ball before. You got, you know, backup quarterback. You're probably missing Leonard Williams, but you can do some things defensively to make up for his loss. It's going to be an interesting game tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to it. That wraps up this edition of The Drive here on 98.7 ESPN. Of course, as I mentioned, we will join you tomorrow night. Gordon Damer and I on ESPN New York tonight following the Dan Grasso Show at 7 o'clock. We'll be on at 10. Jacob, Joe, thank you very much. Up next, it's Ty Butler. Line the calls up, 1-800-919-3776. He'll talk Yankees. He'll talk Jets. He'll talk Giants. He'll talk to you next on 98.7 ESPN.